you wonder how the ancient truth of the Bible intersects with today's news? Do you believe in God's promises to the people and the land of Israel? Welcome to the Lone Star Podcast, a weekly conversation to expand your mind and encourage your soul. Our hosts live in the two Lone Star states, Rabbi Dove Lipman in Israel and Pastor Trey Graham in Texas. This podcast is your opportunity to learn the truth about the God of Israel from two people who love Israel. Please follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new weekly episodes are ready. You ready to be encouraged? Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham. Parashah, the weekly Torah portion that Jews around the world study and many Christians do each week to understand the Bible and to do it in a unified way. And this week, the Parashah has the title, Vayashlach, and it means, and he sent, and it comes from Genesis chapters 32 through 36, and this is continuing a story that we talked about over the last few episodes, which is about Jacob and Esau, and Jacob, as we remember last week's Torah portion, had to flee because of the dispute or the deception of taking over the birthright and the blessing from his older brother Esau. He fled away, and he chooses to come back home, and this is going to be a story about sibling rivalry. It's going to be a story about family trouble. It's going to be a story about coming back home to your family, but I think there's the symbolism of if you run away from the Heavenly Father, you can also return home then as well. There's no doubt that's the case, and the amazing thing is that Jacob has been away for a long period of time, over two decades, uh, from his home, totally isolated, not connected to his spiritual father, you know, physical and spiritual father, uh, Isaac, and that figure in his life, and off there on his own creating his family. And he comes back and he has this encounter uh, with, with Esau, and, and, and he's afraid at first, and he, he pleads with God for help. And many of the commentaries talk about this incredible distinction in terms of just two terminologies uh, that are used, because Esau comes, he's doing well, he's got his family and his army, and Jacob has his tribes, and he's coming, and when they describe what they have, when they actually are communicating with each other, you see how Jacob has stood with his faith, and that's what kept him going uh, to bring him back uh, to the spiritual homeland. And it's an amazing, amazing statement where Jacob asks Esau, you know, what is all this that that you have? And Esau's response, and this is an amazing, amazing point, and, you know, the words of the Bible, uh, we take very, very carefully, and we, and we read them, and we want to understand exactly what they mean and learn from them. And when Jacob sees Esau, Esau says to him, this is in chapter 33, verse 9. In Hebrew, it's, Vayomer Esav, Yesh li Rav. Esau says, I have a lot. I have a lot of stuff. The very next verse is in verse 10. Jacob says that, I am sorry, two verses later, verse 11, he says, Hanani Elohim, God has been good to me, and I have everything that I need. That difference, first of all, of I have everything and God has given it to me, versus Esau, who says, I have a lot, which implies I can have a lot more, uh, no mention of God whatsoever. That's a clarifying moment for Jacob where he realizes, I was able to hold on to that faith, and now I have you know, the right to be the spiritual father uh, in the land of Israel, where you have to be a person who recognizes God and sees that God is the one who's making all this happen. And it actually says 
that in verse 18, chapter 33, verse 18, and Jacob came shalem, he came perfect, whole, uh, back to the city of Shechem in the land of Israel, and he you know, takes his inheritance uh, again as he returns to the Holy Land. When we see the connection between the current events and the parashah, the Bible portion, we talked about 1948, the Jewish state was founded as fulfillment of prophecy. The Jews were able to have a homeland. And then we talked about in previous segments, your family personally moving to the land to fulfill the prophecies that the Lord said he would bring his people, the Jews, back to the Holy Land. And we see Jacob, who is your ancestor, coming back to the land. He had to flee. He had to run away. He came back home. And the parallel that I mentioned a moment ago, there's the chance to physically go home. There's also the chance to spiritually go home because sometimes we run away from the Heavenly Father for reasons of pride or arrogance, like you're talking about Esau. And I think the term is self-sufficient. I don't need the Lord. I don't need anybody else. I have everything I need. Whereas the humble person understands that they are needy, that they are in desperate need of a Redeemer, and they look to the Lord, and the Lord gives them everything they need. For our Christian audience, I want to remind them of one of the parables of Jesus, one of those teaching stories that Jesus gave. It comes from Luke chapter 15. It's a famous story called the prodigal son or the lost son. And the story in summary is that there was a father who had two sons and the older son stayed and remained faithful and was a workaholic and tried to earn the father's love. The younger son ran away, took his inheritance, spent it all in a foreign land, wasted his money, and eventually he ended up in destitute and poor and hungry, and he decided to go back home. But he said, I could never be my father's son again. I'll ask him if I could be a slave, because at least the slave has a meal to eat every day. Jesus tells the story of the younger son who comes home, and he is welcomed back by the father, not as a slave, but as a child as a restored family member and he kills the fatted calf and they have a big party to return and the christian story of the prodigal son is all of us wander away from the lord we give in to temptation we give in to ego and pride we become self-sufficient like esau was in genesis 33 or the younger son was in luke 15 story we think we can do it on our own and always we will wake up and realize we cannot do this life on our own we are dependent upon our Creator, and thankfully, His grace says, "Come home." Yeah, and that's and that's and that's the story of, uh, of Genesis from our perspective. You know, it's in such consonance with what you're saying, because you see the direct connection. Number one, in terms of coming home physically, and also the connection between spiritual observance and spiritual connection and our, our, our ability uh, to, to stay in the land of Israel and to, to earn uh, the land of Israel. You know, throughout the Bible, we have these teachings about uh, you know, keeping the faith, and uh, that's what the people of Israel did for 2,000 years. We, everywhere we were around the world, we, 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 as hard as we could, we stayed steadfast to our faith, both in terms of the ritual and in terms of that the day will come when the biblical prophecies will come true. And now we're in a time where we're experiencing it. And it's an incredible thing. And the book of Genesis is what really cements that relationship and shows us these lessons through the stories of our matriarchs and patriarchs. We are talking about the Torah portion for this week, and it comes from Genesis chapters 32 through 36. And there's a verse, Rabbi, that I think I want you to comment on, and it's Genesis 32, verse 28. 
when Jacob, Yaakov in Hebrew, is given a new name. He wrestles with the Lord. He wrestles all night long. And he's changed the name from Jacob, Yaakov, to Yisrael, Israel. And you're the Hebrew speaker better than I. Israel, the one who wrestles with God or struggles with God. El being a Hebrew name for God. And I know that when the state was being founded in 1947 and 48, you already mentioned the first prime minister, David Ben-Gurion, there was debate. What will this new country be called? Some thought it should be called Judah. There were other names, and they settled on the name Israel, the one who struggles with God. That's not just your country's name. That's your people's name. Talk about the name change and the significance of it. So that name, uh, Israel is, is very, very important for us because it's a name that Jacob earned as he showed that he was able to withstand the challenges of, of life, life outside of Israel, life further away from God at a certain level, uh, struggling with the angel of, of Esau, uh, which is a figurative description of him uh, overcoming his spiritual challenges as well. And the ability to to overcome that battle and to, to rise to the level of spiritual leader, uh, that's what Israel really captures. And, you know, Jacob is sort of the, uh, actually comes from the name of holding on to his brother's heel as he was uh, sort of, sort of you know, a following, as opposed to Israel, which is this lofty name, this high spiritual name. And it's really an incredible thing that when they were deciding what to call the state, that they you know, reached for that, because that's reaching for greatness. That's reaching for leadership. That's reaching for a higher level uh, spirituality. And whenever we say Israel, that's what one really should be thinking about, not just a physical land or a state, but what it stands for. And what it stands for is that ability to overcome those challenges that, that come our way and to prevail and to reach closer uh, to God. And one more Bible passage in this week's Torah portion from Genesis 35 that I'd like us to discuss. And that is when Jacob is returning to the promised land. It was called the land of Canaan. And because he begins to possess it, it will later be known as the land of Israel. In Genesis chapter 35, starting in verse 2, Jacob is this spiritual leader that you talk about. And he says to all those who are coming back with him, get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, the house of God, where I will build an altar to God who has answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Then verse 4 says, So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears, and Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. So the story here is a spiritual leader who says, we're not going to play games with God. We're not going to include false deities, idol worship, magic, witchcraft, sorcery, good luck. We're not going to depend on anything else except we're going to focus on the one true God. Jacob did that in Genesis 35, not just for himself, but he was a spiritual leader to his family at the same time. Absolutely. Let's remember, and this is something which unites our faiths and makes us uh, spiritual brothers and sisters, and that is 
that this is when monotheism was being introduced to the world as a whole and, and fighting against uh, paganism and fighting against idolatry. Abraham introduced it, but the people all around them were idolaters and pagan, and this is a constant battle, which you see throughout the Bible, and the people felt this pull. And uh, what binds us together is that call of Jacob, especially when he returns to the land of Israel, uh, but in general, wherever we are, and that is steadfast clinging to the notion of one God, of this divine being that's, that's beyond our comprehension, obviously, uh, the creator, the, the person who pulls the strings, so to speak, uh, in, the, in the running of the world, and, and to make sure that we don't have uh, those foreign elements. Uh, this is something which is repeated through and through, but it's that spiritual leader. It's that Israel. It's that Israel who is able to take that leadership and really say, we have to get rid of uh, all of this and have no, none of this in our midst. That's the only way that we can be complete uh, in our service of God. And uh, there are some people today, by the way, who talk about, you know, we don't really have that drive today for the uh, physical idols. So what, how does that relate to us? And I've heard many discuss there are other things in the world that are idolatry today. It can be the pursuit of money, uh, uh, the, you know, certainly the pursuit of physical things that can pull us so far away from the spirituality and from connecting to God in the way that we should. You know, that in today's world, uh, that could be described as the idolatry. And Jacob's words can be applied today completely to, to remove that urge. Of course, you can have things in a home and, and the basic the things that we need, but that should not be our pursuit in life. That should not be what we're striving for. And I have no doubt that the Christian faith agrees with those values as well. We do. We know that we were created to worship. And if we worship the one true God and we believe Jesus is the Savior, the, the Redeemer of God, if we worship the one true God, we find spiritual fulfillment. And if we don't worship the one true God, we will still worship, but we will choose to worship false gods. We will worship idols. And you're right. Some in the past might have worshiped altars and statues and paintings or even the trees in the mountains. But today people are tempted to still worship, but it's the paycheck or the job title or the possessions. Because we were made to worship God, we will always worship either the one true God or the not or the not true God. And I think it's a great way to finish our conversation for today from Genesis 35 is Jacob said, not going to do that in my house. We're going to worship the one true God. So as a father, like my rabbi friend, as a husband, we don't want to just be men of God ourselves. We want to raise up the next generation of men and women of God. Absolutely. And that's something which has to be passed on uh, to the children uh, from the youngest of ages. We have in our tradition, you know, when the children start to speak, the first thing that you try to teach them are verses, uh, the famous verse of Shema, the hero of Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Let those, let those be the first words that our children say, even if they don't understand what they're saying, just that it has that impact and they grow up uh, with that value, and that has to be something uh, which we pass to the next generation and, and fight any kind of influences that are out there that try to pull our children and our, our families away from that. Rabbi, I always enjoy our conversations, and I'm always thrilled when the modern news and the truth of the Bible intersect. Thank you, my friend. Enjoy speaking with you. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much, Pastor, and to all the listeners, and Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Thank you for joining us for the Lone Star Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Lone Star Podcast to learn when new episodes are ready. 
Please join Rabbi Dove Lipman and Pastor Trey Graham next time to expand your mind and encourage your soul. May the Lord bless you and draw you to himself this week.